five in three, two, one. Hello and welcome, everyone, to the No Outlet Podcast. Ah, happy fall, almost fall. I guess by the time I post this, it'll be officially the end of summer. What a great summer. 2022 was just an amazing, amazing summer. And um, this is a uh, first of its kind on the No Outlet podcast. Uh, And um, if it were an after-school special, no. If it were a sitcom, the beginning it would say, on a very special Family Ties. Because you knew that that specific episode was going to have something heavier than normal. Um, and this isn't really necessarily heavy, but it's, um, you know, I'm not going to be talking about aliens and, um, you know, Bigfoot and, and things of this nature. So, um, Manti Teo. Manti Teo was a football player um, who has, you know, this story stuck to him. And um, there's currently, and, and when it first happened back in, you know, the... 2010, 2012 time period, and a little bit past that, you know, I really didn't pay it too much attention. It was almost just like, you know, a side note, and it was more, it just cast a shadow on him, but I didn't really, it wasn't really my, it didn't interest me at all. So I was just like, ah, that's weird. The guy made up that he had a girlfriend, you know, um, and I'm going to get into the whole story in a second, but I guess my point is back then I didn't give it any real, um, uh, it didn't occupy any space in my, in my daily thoughts. So fast forward to now, Netflix has a documentary called Untold, The Girlfriend That Didn't Exist or Who Didn't Exist. It's a two-parter and it's essentially talking about this whole scenario, but they did a really cool thing in that they, they don't just focus on that weird event. And don't worry, I'll get into the event for those that don't know it. But they also go back and kind of show you who who Mantau Teo was, what kind of family he came from. And just doing that alone gave a sense of, you know, appreciation and the fact that, all right, this person is a human being, first and foremost. And, you know, over the co- course of the documentary, it's like, He's had the spotlight at him more than anybody else, and he really has not done anything wrong ever. You know what I mean? Like, um, he, he's one of those people that have kind of stayed out of stayed out of trouble. Uh, but anyways, they show about how he, you know, he was raised um, in Hawaii, very poor family, but a very talented family, a family that um, I believe his father and his uncle both played D1 and professional football. Um but, you know, the, they didn't have a lot of money, and uh, God was a, a major influence. They were of the Mormon faith, and they and God and, and following the, the word of the Lord and, and everything that the church says was number one in the household. And, and Manti was right there. He wasn't like a rebellious teenager that didn't want to have religion in their lives. He was somebody who was on board and um, fully doing everything that he was supposed to do. Um, to be, a, a, you know, a good member of the, the Mormon faith. Um, and he knew, and he started to excel at football. He was really, really good. And he also knew that the only way he'd ever get a college education was to get a scholarship. His parents couldn't afford it. There was no way. So football was literally his ticket to something better than, you know, 
who knows, working a factory job, working as a waiter. Um, and he just always gave it everything he had, you know, that all the way, they showed him all the way up through high school. And he was just, uh, at the senior year of high school, he was a man among boys, but you know, again, he just was straight laced, straight and narrow, never got in trouble, good grades, the whole deal. So it comes time and he's, you know, standout. He's nationally recruited um, by some of the biggest colleges out there, two of which are USC, um, Southern California, the Trojans of USC. And then the uh, other one was uh, another one, not the only other one, but another big one was Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, um, have got a storied history, but at the same time, right around that time, they had had a pretty bad spell, and USC was doing really, really good. And also, his father, and I believe his uncle as well, both went to USC. So he's got a little bit of a a legacy, you know, to uphold there as well. Um, but again, religion was such a huge part. And, you know, Notre Dame is a Catholic school, and he was brought up, um, you know, in the Mormon faith. So there are some stark differences between those two religions, but the the essence of, you know, worshiping the Lord is, is you know, th- there's some fundamental similarities there between the two of them. Anyway, at the end of it, he was leaning towards South, uh, South California. He really wanted to go to USC, but he ended up picking Notre Dame, and he felt like he was, he said he was trying to let God talk to him, and God kind of told him to go to Notre Dame. That's what he said. Um, and so that's what he did. But you can even see at the ceremony of him selecting Notre Dame, he puts the hat on and he's just, he's does, he does not look happy. He looks like a man who's being sentenced to uh, go to jail. But there's nothing wrong with a full boat scholarship to Notre Dame either. D1 school, one of the greatest, you know, um, colleges uh, for college football ever. Um Best programs is probably a better way to say that. And um, so, you know, he was going to give it his all. So he was born and raised in Hawaii. And uh, I believe that uh, Notre Dame is in South Bend, Indiana. I know it's in Indiana. I think it's South Bend. And for those of you who may not know, winters in Indiana can really suck. Um, You know, extreme cold, extreme weather, um, lots of ice, lots of you know, shoveling and dealing with everything that comes along with having snow on the ground. And that's the same as New England, where we are. Uh, But he was used to, you know, palm trees and beaches and, you know, beautiful weather every day. And, um, you know, being comfortable when you're walking around in a pair of shorts uh, in December. You know, uh, that was not what he got when he went to South Bend. And, you know... Everything was different. The religion part was different, so he had to kind of adapt his mindset and, you know, follow Catholicism while he was there. And part of it was, you know, he he was taking courses in that, of course. Uh, Part of it was dealing with, you know, the the weather and the difference in climate. So he he started off having a really hard time there. Um, But he, you know, I'm going to summarize four years of or three years of, of college football into 30 seconds. He ended up getting over it, sticking with it, staying focused, working throughout the year. And by the time he was a junior, he was, you know, he he could have gone his junior year. He could have left Notre Dame and easily had gone in the top, definitely the top two rounds, but probably um, first round. His stock was extremely high. He was, it was really, really good. 
Um, and so during that time that he's in, so he's fulfilling his childhood dream, right? He's like, I knew I've got to get a, a you know, a, a football scholarship to get education. I want to go play ball. I want to be a professional football player. That's all he's ever wanted to be. It's, and it's because directly because of his hard work, uh, and his unwillingness to, to quit. Um, and so he gets there and during that time, uh, right around the same time that he starts Notre Dame, there is a person who, um, hopefully I'm going to get this name right, uh, Nea Tuiasasopo was this person's name. And this person at the time, and I'm going to try to not get arrested by the woke police here, so I'm going to do my best. At the time, uh, this person was a man. Uh, however, he had, at the time again, he had feelings that he was really more, you know, uh, of a female so he actually created Facebook. Had just kind of started. It definitely wasn't what it is today. But she, uh, he started a, a female Facebook profile um, with a different name and different p- fake pictures and all these, this, you know, whole ruse of a person. And uh, at, at that same time, and this, by the way, guys, this is before the term catfishing was known as catfishing. Like it, between the time she started doing what she did to Manti Teo. And the time that Catfish came out, there was, a, there was a chunk of time. And even when it first came out, it wasn't like every single... Now every American knows what catfishing means, even people that are totally out of the loop and, you know, not into stuff like that. But back then, you know, not everybody did know what it was. But anyways, she creates this fake account, and it's, it looks legitimate. Um, she just becomes Facebook friends with Manti Teo casually. Um, and then, you know, they, they exchange, you know, uh, texts and they exchange, once in a while they'll talk on the phone, they'll leave messages and, um, you know, and it's, I've, I've heard this person's voice. I mean, it sounded like a girl. Um, and there were a few times where, you know, they were supposed to meet up and then something happened or they were supposed to FaceTime and something happened. And long story short, he never actually saw her um, and they never like physically met uh, and, and then she started, you know, saying my, my dad was sick and kind of playing into his emotions. And, uh, he, in real life, he, uh, lost his grandmother around that time. And then right after losing his grandmother, um, his, um, supposedly his girlfriend gets into uh, a car accident and, and dies, um, or yeah, some dies. And so she, he's, and so he's using this as a way to motivate himself. Right. Um, and he's talking about it, but there are some things on the back end that are starting to fall apart a little bit. And, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm taking a, a, an excellent, like a, a perfectly made documentary over two parts and I'm trying to cram it into 25 minutes. So, um, some of this is going to be out of order. Some of this is going to be a little bit inaccurate, but um, basically, you know, he got sympathy from a nation. He got sympathy from certainly his teammates and his college competitors and his coaches and the university um, due to this extreme loss. One, his grandmother, actual loss. And the other one turns out people didn't find out till later that there was no girlfriend. It was a fictitious Facebook profile um, and that no one died. Um, so, you know, I think that 
the premise here, when I, when I watched this whole show and I got to the end of it, my, my very first thought was, okay, so he really didn't do anything wrong. What he did was he was a little bit naive. Um, he kind of allowed himself to believe something that he probably knew wasn't true. Um, and, you know, is it weird that, um, you know, he never wanted to see his girlfriend? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But again, keep in mind, this is somebody who, from a very young age, there was a lot of pressure put on him to get so good that someone's going to pay you to play this sport. And, you know, our family depends on it. So he actually gets that opportunity. He goes to Notre Dame. I can totally see somebody who's God-faring, straight-laced, stay inside the lines, you know, not wanting to pers- like even bring up like, hey, I'll fly here and see you, I'll fly there and see you, because it's distraction, right? It's taking him away from what he was 100% focused on, which was becoming the best football player ever. And, you know, he probably, you know, I was also thinking like this is an easy way for me to not have to worry about sinning, you know? It's like if I'm never... You know, it's kind of like a Tim Tebow type situation. Like if I'm never around this girl, then I can never, you know, uh, sin. But you know, so I, I kind of walked away thinking like, wow, this this a total victim. Like he didn't do anything wrong. He never lied to anybody. He never, um, you know, hurt anybody. It was all something that was put on him by somebody else. And then I started thinking, okay, I wonder what that cost him, you know, because that cost him uh, not just his reputation, which – it certainly did, um, and not just that. But there's a there's always going to be a film over his name, like a little, like a smudge, just a little bit of a smudge from this. That you know, it's like even if people like I, I have a different viewpoint of that situation now that I've watched the documentary. But before, I instantly dismissed his name with ah, he had that weird thing with the fake girlfriend. You know, that was my. It's just like yeah, whatever, and I would just dismiss it as something that I think about. But now that I'm thinking about it and I've seen it, it's like fucking dude got robbed. Like he got robbed. That probably cost him a billion dollars. And some people are like, Oh, you're exaggerating. And I'm not. Um, so he was up until this, this thing all fell apart his senior year. So he, he foregoes the draft his junior year and then Going into his senior year, he commits to play again. And um, actually, I think it might have even been his last game, his junior year. He 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 already committed to playing his senior year. Then there was, I think, they were playing for the championship, and things started to come out that kind of cast it in a little bit of a questionable light. Like, wait, who is this person, and is this real? And all these kind of doubts are brought up, and it got into his head. Like he started. He this is somebody who. Has ne- had never been exposed to extreme scrutiny, you know, of any kind or any kind of mass, you know, energy in a negative way coming at you or, or a questionable way or anything. And, and so he didn't do a very good job dealing with it. So all of these, all this negativity that was coming towards him 100% impacted his play on the field. He, he became a different player where before he was a, hepa, a step ahead of everybody um, he just became, you know, slower than the game. And it was absolutely due to the mental, you know, stress and, you know, damage that this whole situation was doing. So you go from being a, a first-round pick, definitely, or, or high second round, but probably first round, to all of a sudden people are like, uh, is this guy all right? Like, does this guy, 
is is his head messed up? Like, is this a is this a a fruitcase? Like, or a fruitcase? That's not what I meant to say. I I, I crossed two words: fruitcake, right, or a nutcase. Fruitcase. Fruitcase sounds like something you'd get for a present, and then you would instantly wish you hadn't got it. Um, but people were wondering, questioning, like, do we want this person to be part of our franchise? Do we want to take on the responsibility of all this baggage? Who knows how it's going to shake out? Nobody knew at the time. And what ended up happening is it fucked up his play. It fucked up his performance. People started doubting him. Bottom line is he fell in the draft incredibly. He ended up becoming a late second-round pick. I think it was the last pick of the second round, in fact. Um, So it was almost a third-round pick. And that alone probably cost him, you know, a twelve million dollars signing bonus, and probably you know seventy five percent more pay if it hadn't happened. Um, you know, and let's not forget if his brain hadn't been all messed up because of this whole thing that he went through, and he's probably thinking, "Oh my God, I'm so stupid. How did I not know? How? Why didn't I go see her? Why didn't I call this person out?" Like. He was just kind of going through the motions, you know what I mean? Like he was just—it was just a pretend relationship that pacified that piece of whatever he thought he needed, and he could go be a football player. But it fucked up his play. So if it hadn't fucked up his play, he would have played better. He would have gotten even more money every year. So he only played for five years, and that was—and there was a year in there, I think, year or two, that he actually took off, and then he came back as a COVID player in 2020. Um, during the first COVID season. And so he, um, yeah, there's, there's, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to corral all of the, the minion thoughts in my head. So he would have played, if not five years, he probably would have played 10 years, right? Because if he, think about some of the great linebackers that have played, they play eight, 10 years, um, because it's it's a sport where you're kind of usually bringing the damage to somebody else. You still you still absolutely get CTE. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Junior Say I was a good example. But um, my point is that he would have had a longer career because his mental degradation never turned around. Like he wasn't able to recapture that that you know that type of game he had before. And someone could say, okay, well maybe his game was going to fall apart anyway. Like maybe it was going to happen. That does happen, right? But I think that the correlation, the timing of the two things happening, the, the timing of, you know, every single person in the country doubting him as an individual from going, think about where he was before that. Everyone loved that guy. He was trusted by everybody, loved by everybody. He walked around that campus and he was God. Like he could write his own ticket. He was known by everyone, loved by all, you know, not that this should matter, but the fact he was a minority definitely would have helped him get a lot of other opportunities too. You know what I mean? Like, um, and what I mean by that is, you know, in the future, he could have been an, um, an owner of a, uh, of a football team. You know, they, uh, the diversity in ownership is, is an absolute goal when you're putting together an ownership team for NFL. So he could have ended up owning a team. He definitely could have been a TV commentator. There's no doubt about that. Um, there, and I guess what I was saying earlier about him being, you know, Polynesian, there's enough white guys out there, you know, already doing all this stuff. Um, 
he could have been without doubt an, an amazing commentator. I mean, he's a good looking cat. He's, he talks well, he got his teeth done. So, you know, he looks like a million bucks. Like he without question could have had at least a 20 year career in, in a commentary booth or on ESPN or anywhere he wanted to, he would have got innumerous number of uh, sponsorships, you know, whether it was for, you know, uh, antiperspirant or deodorant or, you know, athletic gear. It doesn't matter. It's like, think about the money these athletes make from the sponsorships. He would have made as much, if not more, with sponsorships than he was playing, but nobody wanted him to be a sponsor. Nobody wanted to sponsor him for their product because he was damaged goods. He was literal damaged goods. Nobody knew what they were getting with this guy. There was that little bit of like, what was that? And so nobody ever ponied up. You know, and then next thing you know, you're out of football. And so it's like when you take all those opportunities, not, not to mention with having all that money that I just talked about, he could have made your normal, you know, smart investments and over time built up enough money, you know, enough money already. You know, it's like uh, he absolutely would be a billionaire right now. He'd be one of those He'd be like, um, you know, a Jay-Z type mogul. He'd be like, Jay-Z's a terrible example. Um, he'd be like a Tom Brady. He'd be like a TB12. Like, he would be that kind of player. Think about when was the last defensive player that you could point to that was an absolute animal on the field, did everything right, but was, you know, had it together on the, on the outside of the field. Like, I'm not sure. You know, it's like, it's kind of a volatile position and usually with volatile people. And you know what? A lot of people that are listening to this are probably saying, well, he deserves it because he, you know, he kept it from people. He kept it hidden. And it's just like, ah, I, I think it wasn't so much he kept it hidden. I think that what it would, there was one interview they showed where they asked him a question and it, he had been given some information that she wasn't like, it wasn't a, a girl and it was like a fake account. And he, answered the question as if that weren't the case. That's the one thing in the entire documentary that you could point to and say, ah, he told a lie right there. And the way he explains it is that, you know, he had just been told that he didn't have any other information about it and he didn't want to misrepresent, you know, the school. So he was trying to do the right thing. You know, in retrospect, would it made any difference if he had said, Right in the spot. Actually, she's all made up. I mean, it's even it's even crazier in some ways. But aside from that, the guy did not do anything wrong. He is not culpable at all for this whole situation. And that guy, Naya Tuiasasopo, cost him a billion dollars. Then I thought to myself, okay, well, that's kind of fucked up. I hope that guy gets, you know, what he deserves. I hope he gets a prison sentence or, or a fine or, or whatever. Well, it turns out nothing that he did was actually illegal. You know, it's like um, it wasn't like he created a Facebook account to do, you know, credit card fraud or identity theft or any of those. He made up, you know, a persona. He did use somebody's name and he actually got the person whose name he was using involved to take a proof picture and that's the other thing, too, that I forgot to mention. There there were a few different times where, like, it was almost like a, all right, prove it to me, and prove it to me with this. And one of the things was a, a dated 
picture with a newspaper and a certain message written on a piece of paper held by the woman. And he actually found, he actually found the woman that he was pretending to be and, you know, had her make this picture. Now, I don't, I forget, you'd have to go and watch the documentary. I forget if she found out then or right afterwards, but in any event, there were a few things that would have pointed somebody who was, who wanted to be convinced, somebody who was ready to accept that there, that this girl is real. There was a couple of things that happened that you could have said like, okay, there, she's real. Um, not many and kind of flimsy, but they were there. Um, anyway, back to, you know, this person getting their, their due. So actually, you know, creating that Facebook account, um, turns out there's not a specific law against that because there was no harm that came to the person whose name it was or, you know, maybe, maybe I've got that wrong. Maybe it's just the face. And then she used a different name. I think she used a different name. That's what it was. It was a different name. Um, duh, that makes sense. Uh, like I said, I watched it like two or three weeks ago, and I just figured I'd talk about it tonight. Um, but he, he finds out um, things start to fall apart. The guy who cost him all that money didn't really break any laws, and therefore there's no crime. Now, here's, here's the best part of the whole story. Um, so again, let's re- re- recap real quick. We're going to do this in under 30 minutes, folks. So about five minutes from now, we're going to be done. So here's man, Tao Teo, uh, poor family, uh, doesn't have a lot going for them. He's an amazing prodigy at football, gets a lot of pressure put on to become the best football player that, you know, he can become so much so that a college is going to pay for him to attend he actually does that in high school. He actually gets a full boat to Notre Dame. He actually goes to the national championship game. He actually does all those things that he was focused on doing his whole life. And during that time, you know, a very confused individual, you know, creates a situation that ends up harming him in a pretty serious way and damages his relationship, you know, Forever, like there's no getting. You cannot erase that now. That that's going to always be part of him. Uh, no matter what you say about him, that's part of his story. Um, and at the end of all that, he finally does uh, end up, you know, meeting. He he met this person who was a faker, and he was pretending to be his girlfriend's cousin at a game. They shook hands. There's video of it, and everything. But then later. When Manti, when Manti knew what was going on, instead of being filled with rage, instead of being, you know, filled with um, anger and calling a lawyer and doing a full court press, you know, to damage the other person, right? Because he was damaged. But instead of taking that, that negativity and pushing it right back towards the person that did it to him, he forgave this person. He forgave Tui Asasopo. He... You know, and and it's you know I'm not a very religious person, but um, I do respect somebody who has a set of values and a set of beliefs and sticks to them. And God damn it, if he didn't act Christian, you know what I mean? Like, and Christian can mean a lot of different things. I know, but the whole idea is you know forgiveness. Like that's the core of the story of of Jesus is forgiveness. You know, um, and he did. He forgave, and you know, and 
by by forgiving what he said was you know it, it not only allowed him to let go and move on but he also knew he wasn't going to have somebody else out there that always had this you know and that person they do legitimately it sure seems that way anyways they sure seems that they, they feel terrible about what was what happened and they're very appreciative that he accepted the apology but you know he he was robbed of a billion dollars um from the first and biggest catfish um was he naive yeah he you probably he probably was a little bit naive you know um is it weird they didn't meet and they were in the prime of their lives yeah that's a little bit weird um are either one of those things you know against any kind of law no you know could they have been you know covers for other things maybe he didn't feel comfortable you know having a girlfriend maybe he really did not want to sin who knows it doesn't matter what he was doing was innocent what the other person was doing was fucked up because if the other person actually was a girl and they actually had that weird relationship where they didn't see each other guess what that's totally fine there's no problem with that the the thing that there's a problem with is that one of the two people was being completely deceitful for a long time and not only being deceitful but being deceitful and trying to tug at the heartstrings of this person and get them to help and get them to talk about like he it was national news that his girlfriend who wasn't real got into a car accident you know what i mean like that's pretty messed up so anyways if you haven't watched the documentary go watch the documentary um man Teo, if you hear this i feel you brother i really do like back in the day i just i dismissed you it was just like oh that's so weird like what did he why would he do that and it's like people have to just kind of before you make any judgment pause Watch a documentary, and then you can make a judgment. And my judgment is my man did nothing wrong, and he got robbed. So uh, in, in support of, uh, of Manti Teow. I hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of, of No Outlet. Uh, my name's Ethan, and I hope you all have a wonderful and joyous week, day, month, etc. Be well.